evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Irene Watson. I'm the managing editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas. And I'm Victor Volkman from Loving Healing Press in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 164 in our series. Tonight's topic will be The Seven Fundamentals of Digital Publishing with special guest Manish Sigal. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight we are on the line with Manish Sigal, who is the founder and CEO of Novatrix, a New York City-based mobile technology company. Novatrix created the products, which are iPad Publisher, One Publisher, and Smartphone Publisher, and two platforms that together power more than 300 different mobile content publishing apps available on iOS, that's uh, iPod and iPhone, and Android platforms. He has expertise in digital publishing, strategy, marketing, and monetizing content. Well, good evening, Manish. Hello, for having me with you tonight. Well, Manisha, I'm really glad that you're uh, talking to us because I know that there are many out there, and I'm one of them, that it's like iPhone, iPad, um, platform, publisher, iOS, Android, smartphone, apps. It's like all these words are just bombarding us, and someplace in there, as authors, we want to publish our book and it be available to people to use on on some other digital form other than a piece of paper. So what I'd like you to do, first of all, is just sort of give us an overview of what are, what are all these things? <laughs> That's a fantastic question. It can definitely be overwhelming and is very difficult to keep up with. Um, essentially what it comes down to is, as you know, smartphones and tablets uh, have been all the rage. They've been selling tremendously well. Um, more and more people are getting their content in, uh, in mobile form, uh, meaning they're not sitting in front of a desk or a computer specifically. And so many companies have come out with various ways to, uh, various ways to reach people over mobile. So the two big things or big platforms to, to be aware of, I'm sure your readers know, are Apple and Android. And uh, Apple, obviously, with the iPhone, iPod, and iPad. And then Android is Google's operating system. And that actually runs on literally thousands of devices uh, worldwide. Okay. And um, so as I'm thinking then, Android and Apple, and quite often what I know that Apple's been around a long time, and we sort of, in our minds, think Apple as a computer but obviously it's past that, you know, this machine that sits on top of your desk or as a laptop or a tablet that you pack around. So maybe you can just sort of give us a distinction between what you're talking about, Apple and Android. Sure. So uh, Apple, yes, you know, obviously has a long history of computers. Um, actually, I think it was a few years ago, they dropped the term computer from the name of the company. They used to be known as Apple Computer, and now they are just Apple. And that's when they went more into the consumer electronics side, um, where they you know, really took over the music player market with the uh, 
uh, iPod. And the difference, one of the key differences uh, with their computer systems and their mobile systems uh, has to do with the operating uh, system, which is each computer or each electronic device has an operating system, which is sort of the most foundational layer of software and kind of determines what that device does. So Apple computers run the operating system called OS X, um, or the most recent one is called Mountain Lion. And what's great about that is, you know, you can run full programs, your Microsoft Office, your Photoshops. Um, you can really use it to create content. Now, uh, the mobile operating systems are not as powerful. Uh, and Apple's mobile operating system is called iOS. So it's, you know, for the i devices. And one of the things about that is, these are really great to consume content. So they're excellent for reading. They're excellent for checking your email, um, surfing the web, uh, and, you know, different ways that, that users will consume content. They're not quite powerful enough to create content. So you couldn't edit a film on it. You probably couldn't really uh, write a book uh, on the device without it being probably quite annoying. <laughs> um, and Android is Google's sort of parallel version of that. It's an operating system that's designed for mobile hardware. So it's much more limited than, say, Windows would be for PCs, where the Apple operating system would be for their MacBook uh, and desktop computers. Does that make sense? It does. It certainly does for me. Okay, great. That, that's a good overview of, of the platforms. Now, how about the target market? Who are the consumers that are buying the apps, reading the content, and so on? Well, let me actually just back up for one second. And, I mean, we kind of talked about sort of what are the platforms. But I think it's important to note that Apple has over 500 million devices out there that are mobile devices that can run apps and consume content. And Android's kind of around the same amount as well. But one of the key distinctions that your audience should know is that in the tablet space, which is uh, probably a much better reading experience than a phone because the phone doesn't have, you know, a very large screen, the iPod, excuse me, the iPad controls 98.10% of the market of tablets. There's roughly about 84 million iPads that have been released, and most publishers and self-publishers and authors are really driving to distribute their content on iPads specifically. And if you have a limited budget and want to dip your toe into the mobile market, um, I would recommend focusing on the Apple platform, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, one of them is security, for example, um, which is a really big factor. We can get into that if you'd like. Um, but as your readership looks to distribute their content, you know, people dream of being everywhere. But at the end of the day, it's you'll get the most value by focusing your effort on the Apple platform because that completely dominates the market right now that, uh, as a piece of advice. Um, and then to coincide with that uh, is the, the point about you know, number two of the, the seven fundamentals is to know your target market. So... While I'm speaking in generalities, if, you're, uh, you know, if your target market is, let's say, you know, um, 14 year olds uh, uh, kids, um, it's quite likely that they're, you know, they may have iPod Touch devices or Android devices. Android devices tend to be less expensive. Um, there are many different makes and models of them. 
um, different companies offering different deals and pricing structures. Um, so if your target market sits there, then maybe you want to distribute to Android. But you should know that most of the buying and the content consumption, people paying for actual content, is really flowing through Apple's platform. So the, the very first thing is to really be clear on what is your demographic. Are they using mobile devices? Um, and if so, which ones are they using? Absolutely. So what are the types of uh, content that I would be uh, able to distribute on the platform? Are we talking books, magazines? What where what are people really going for? Sure. So Apple gives you a few different ways to distribute your content. So if you're a self-published author, if you have one book and you're looking to get it out uh, onto the uh, iPad, um, one option is to use iBooks. And iBooks is essentially uh, their uh, bookstore. It's it's what's called an aggregator. So when you open up iBooks, it's actually technically a standalone app. An app is an application it's, uh, or a program, a piece of software. When you open up iBooks on, on an Apple device, it basically takes you to a mega mall with trillions of titles by everybody. So what's really great about that is it's one app. You know, It attracts a lot of different types of uh, consumers. It has a lot of different types of content. Um, it's very inexpensive to publish to. Now, the downside of it is you are also sitting next to all of your competitors, and it's really easy to get lost. So if you're not, you know, sort of like a bestseller or if you don't have a big budget, um, you know, it's very easy to, to just be one of a trillion titles. So differentiation is, is a little bit challenging. Uh, iBooks primarily takes a format called EPUB, and what's interesting about EPUB is that you can change the font size. So it's great for you know, people of all ages, uh, you know, you can make the font larger if, you, uh, if you'd like. But the challenge with that is that it's very difficult to create fixed format books. So if you have a lot of images and diagrams uh, and artwork that needs to have text in specific spots in relation to the graphics, EPUB is a very difficult format to work with. Um, so that's iBooks. Another way to distribute content is um, through your own standalone app. So you can have an app that actually is a container for your magazine or your uh, book um, and, and various other types of content. And then finally, Apple came out uh, about a year and a half ago with uh, uh, what's called Newsstand. And Newsstand is a little bit confusing to people because people seem to think of it in the same way as, uh, as iBooks. And to publish to iBooks, basically you upload an EPUB file to Apple. Whereas to publish into Newsstand, you actually need to put your content inside an app. It's sort of um, like a separate department in the department store that is the Apple App Store. Um, so Newsstand sort of uh, collects different apps that focus around magazine and periodical content. But each... Uh, each item featured in Newsstand is a standalone app, just as iBooks is a standalone app. So that may be a little bit hard to wrap your head around. Um, it can be very confusing for people. Um, but the key thing to note is that to be in Newsstand or in the App Store in general, you have to have an app, which is a container to put your content in. To be in iBooks, iBooks is that container. So all you have to do is supply the content into iBooks. Okay, wow. Um, you had uh, mentioned earlier 
about NiPad, and uh, you, you also talked about the Apple platform and the security factor, and that we could talk about that. And I do really want to talk about that because there still seems to be a lot of fear with a lot of authors, especially those that are maybe you know a little elderly and are not that familiar with all this, and everything is thrown at them. And it's like, how secure is this information? Uh, you know, is somebody going to copyright my or, or steal my book when I put it onto an iPad or if I publish it through an EPUB or, you know, and so, but I know that also there's the other security too, and that's with hackers. So I thought we'd just like you to just speak on both of those aspects. Okay, happy to do that. Um, so one of the, the main things about, like, digital security is that nothing is 100%. Not, not even the U.S. military. And when people create security, with, you know, around devices and, and software, really the ultimate goal is to make it so difficult to sort of break in and steal uh, the content or the, the software that it's not worth somebody's time. So it's sort of this cost-benefit ratio where people try to make the barriers to success so uh, high that, you know, people are just more inclined to just buy the, the content and so forth. Um, Apple has done a really great job about this. And really the big difference between Apple and Android is when you plug an Apple device into a computer, you cannot see the file system. Whereas when you plug an Android device into a computer, you can basically browse it just like you would an external hard drive. And this also applies to the Kindle. When you plug a Kindle device into a computer, you can look at the files. And right there, that is a huge vulnerability and, and difference. Um, just as an anecdote, um, probably about a year and a half ago, uh, I decided to see if I could break the copy protection on a Kindle book, literally a book that I bought through my Kindle device that was downloaded directly to it. And I thought, hey, I wonder how hard it is to just you know, remove the copy protection. Between the point that I had the idea and the point in which I succeeded in doing it, it oh. took less than eight minutes for me to remove Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. And it, it was as simple as one Google search, downloading one script, uh, having you know, a fundamental level of computer savviness, but, I mean, all the instructions were there. And there you go. There's your copy protection. It's gone. Now, Apple, the reason why Apple is so... Uh, much, of, much more preferred by content creators is because you really don't have access to the file system unless you go through a process called jailbreaking your device, which is outright hacking it. Now, when you do this, uh, it is possible to do this, but when you do this, you also still can't see the file system. Um, it just kind of opens a few doors, but it takes a lot of effort to get into them. But also, if you screw up that process, you can ruin your device, and Apple will not fix it for you or honor your uh, warranty or any of that stuff. Um, so it's too much of a risk. You know, these things cost a lot of money. And if you screw it up, you pretty much have turned your iPad into a brick. And, mm -hmm. you know, 99.9% .9 of the people won't go there. Whereas with Kindle and Android, just the mere fact that you plug it in and can poke around, you know, that sort of raises curiosity. Um, and, the, and the access to the content uh, and stealing content is so much uh, greater on those devices. Um, 
so that's I mean that's kind of one of the reasons. There's a few other reasons, but that's a, a main reason why I believe that um, more people can can feel more secure about distributing to uh, Apple platforms. Apple, sure. Well, I know they've certainly done a lot of research themselves, and uh, you know, I mean, there everybody's a competi- competing against each other and trying to just provide something that's better than the next person, and which is good because this is what we get. Uh, for instance, you know, just exactly what you talked about the security. So, I'm uh, I'm wondering wh- how what you feel about um, the resources. You know, people are uh, a lot of the authors have written a book, and all they want to do is get it out there. And they have heard of things like, you know, making it available is how we're talking about, but quite often they really don't have a budget. And I'm wondering how, you know, I know that you feel that budgeting is the most important thing, and I just really want you to qualify that. You know, it's it's interesting because I've had the privilege of, of working with people on you know, at all levels, um, meaning one of my clients is, uh, is a, a guy who makes children's books that focus on um, teaching them how to play music. You know, uh, def- definitely, you know, probably comparable to many self-published authors, doesn't really have deep pockets, needs an answer on how can I get my content out there, and I'm making mixed media, so it's not just a book because it includes songs and, and videos and so forth. And then on the other extreme, I've worked with some big mega publisher conglomerates. And what's amazing about this one particular publisher is they spent close to half a million dollars on their single app. And then at the same time are wondering why they're not really making any money. And it all comes down to the same thing. Whether you're a small, uh, uh, you know, individual or whether you're a mega corporation, if you spend way too much money on the app itself, you're never going to make that money back um, because you're not going to have enough to actually market it. So, you know, one of the things that I notice about these devices is they do lots of cool stuff. Like, um, for example, uh, map functions and accelerometers and, you know, light sensitivity and all this crazy stuff. So a lot of clients, you know, think about, well, I should make the app do this or I should do that, you know, use this feature. But at the end of the day, what it really comes down to is your content. The bells and whistles, if you mis-execute them, can be more of a turnoff. It's going to cost you more. And just because the device can do something doesn't mean it should. And you should really focus you know, 80% of your budget at least on marketing. And I'm not just talking uh, money. I'm also talking time. Um, because if you build this thing that's you know, phenomenal and spend tons of money on it, but have no ability to tell anyone about it, you are not going to be successful. And so I think it's really critical to understand your audience, what it is they want, why they want it, and then really focus your efforts on driving adoption. Um, right now, everybody, you know, everybody knows they need to go mobile because this is the future. It's happening now. You don't really have a choice. Um, but only a few companies have really cracked the code of how can we turn this into a, lot of, you know, a large revenue stream for ourselves. Um, and, and the companies that do this are the ones that put the resources, the right amount of resources behind getting the word out. And just because you have an app doesn't mean people are going to find it. Um, it's just like having a website, you know. Uh, sure, you'll get some 
natural traffic, but unless you put the effort to tell people about your products and services, you'll never make any sales. So it's a very, it's, to me, it's a very simple uh, thing. And in terms of how people can go about getting apps, there's really a few options. One is you can build it yourself, um, meaning either learn how to program, which is actually very hard because it's not anything like building a website. Um, two is you can hire somebody to build it for you, which is going to be quite expensive. Even on the low end, it's going to cost thousands of dollars. Three is you can buy a product, a sort of a pre-existing product, which is kind of what my company does. Um, we also do custom development. But the, the downside of a product is you're not going to get 100% of what you're looking to, to do. But the upside of a product is you're going to spend a, a fraction uh, on getting your content out on this medium so that you can focus on the right things. You need to validate that people are going to buy your product in this form. And there's no reason to spend tens of thousands of dollars just on making the app. You should spend whatever resources you have on getting the word out there, you know, driving your downloads, driving your awareness. And if it's a success, then sure, go spend the extra money and add all your bells and whistles and build your dream app. No worries, but do not do that from day one. It's a huge mistake. I see people do it over and over and over again. Yeah, with a background in software development, I'm here to tell you, you know, that an app is never done, right? Because in two weeks, the iPad mini will come out and you'll need to redesign some of your graphic elements. Or iOS 6 will come out and you've got to recompile, rebuild. So that's definitely got to be a big part of your strategy. Yeah, people seem to overlook that, um, Victor, and that's a really good point. Like, you know, the iPhone 5 just came out. Um, uh, the screen is bigger. So now everybody has to upgrade their apps to be sort of compatible to fit that screen. And if you build an app yourself, uh, whether you, you know, do your own programming or pay someone for custom development, you also need to factor in that, you know, the ongoing maintenance and support cost um, that's going to be associated with that. People also overlook that. Just because you put it out there doesn't mean it's going to work forever uh, on that device. Great. Let's talk about, um, or maybe you've already covered this, uh, the pros and cons of owning the relationship with Apple versus uh, having someone else own it. That's a, that's a really critical point. It's also something a lot of providers um, um, including companies that we compete with, really don't want to talk about. So the way that it works is when an app is released on Apple uh, or Android, it has to go through a registered developer account. And whoever owns that account pretty much owns the future of that app. So even if, let's say, you know, uh, you've got a book, you've copyrighted it, you know, you own the intellectual property, if you, you know, if you call the book ABC123, but put it out on my developer account as an app called ABC123, forever in the Apple universe, I will own that name and not you. So that's one. So you're actually kind of um, risking your brand ownership and your intellectual property. That's one. The second thing is it's also a mechanism of, of uh, who gets paid. So whoever is the developer is the one that collects the money. So a lot of companies, what they like to do is they want to put your apps out or your content out through their developer accounts so they get the check 
and then they can take a large percentage of sales and you know give the content creator a small fraction. Um, so that's another thing. And then finally, what I think is one of the most critical things is, let's say you decide to uh, work with us and we do a bad job for you. Um, you should be able to fire us and you should be able to replace whatever app we give you with something else. Or let's say we do a fantastic job and you make bazillions of dollars and now you want to invest in building your own custom app. So sure, we didn't do anything wrong. You're very happy with us. But now you want to put out a new app that essentially overwrites what we had given you with something that's more custom. When you own your developer account, you control the future of your app and you own the integrity of your brand fully. And so this is something people don't really think about. It is an extra cost. Apple charges $100 a year to own a developer account. Um, Google charges, I, I believe it's $25 one time. Um, but I think it's uh, an investment well worth it uh, because it really sort of ensures uh, your, you know, that you are driving the bus always. Great. That's a, that's a, a really nice overview of that. Um, so I understand that every time someone purchases my app or book, I'll get some data on who bought it. But what other ways are there that I can keep track of whether the app's being used or who's using it and who's who's looking to buy it? Well, that's a great question. So this is also another area where Apple and Android uh, differ. Um, so Apple provides you with geographic data. So you definitely will know where in the world your app is going. Um, and it's actually really, it's actually really fun and unexpected. Um, in April, April was the first month where we literally had client apps downloaded in every single region in the entire world, uh, that Apple distributes to. So we're talking hundreds and hundreds of countries. Um, we had at least one download everywhere. Um, one of my clients, they, uh, they're a magazine called Women in Aviation, and they're really cool people. When their app came out, they called me up and they said, you know, we just got a ton of downloads in Russia. How did that happen? Uh, maybe we should start, you know, looking at our content and maybe catering to that geography as well. Um, so it's really interesting how, how you can sort of see where in the world your, your stuff is going um, and how that might shape your content strategy. Um, Apple will tell you geographies, number of downloads, sales. They will not tell you that Jane Doe purchased your app. Um, so if you want to know who the end user is, your app needs to have the facility to ask the user that question and, and capture it. But Apple will not disclose information about the, the actual consumer. Uh, Android, on the other hand, will. Um, but that only happens during... Uh, on apps that, that have a price tag because Android uses Google Checkout. So you would get sort of the email address of the buyer uh, if they purchase, you know, the app or the content. Um, but if it's a free app or if it's free content, you're not going to get that information. So, again, you have to ask for it. Um, but there's other ways to track your data as well. There's creative ways uh, to do it. Um, so one one thing that we recommend people to consider is, uh, one of our products has uh, the ability to go out to websites, um, and it has a built-in browser, and there's no location bar, so people can't open it and visit their Facebook. So what we encourage our clients to do is it's kind of a little bit of a, a trick where if you have an advertiser, you can 
link out to that advertiser's website, but what you do is you link out to a Google Analytics page on your domain that then redirects to the target website. So what you're doing is you're inserting these pages that are wired to Google Analytics that will give you a ton of data of where your traffic is going. It's a little bit more work, but it's a really interesting way to, to capture a level of granularity that is not possible otherwise. Um, so I think that's very interesting. But overall, I think the point is you should look at your data. And if you're doing a marketing push, let's say you spend, you know, uh, 25 hours to, to, to market your uh, app or however m many dollars, you should really look at your data on a daily basis. What are people resonating with? What, what uh, initiative worked? What uh, helped drive downloads? And I think that's where data really plays a big part too because then you can kind of zero in on where to best spend your money and time um, instead of you know, spending a ton of effort and uh, not really having a clue as to whether or not it worked for you. Well, that certainly is, um, you know, puts everything into a really good perspective uh, for me, uh, and I'm sure it does for many others that are listening also. So my final question to you is, you know, after giving us all this information and so on, it's like, wow, uh, where, where do I start? How do I get started? Well, I mean, I think the first thing is, you know, Make great content. So if you have, uh, if you're armed with content, then you certainly have a, a bunch of uh, options. Um, as I said, I think if you want to just do one book um, and and release it, you should look into iBooks. There's a few different ways to create EPUB formats. Um, different uh, pieces of software can export to that. If you're doing fiction, uh, iBooks is really you know quite fantastic and and very, very inexpensive. Um, so that's one. Uh, another thing is I would recommend, uh, you know, giving us a call or finding companies that are like ours, which is uh, uh, companies that create products. Because I think if you, for the people who are first time out, you definitely should not go ahead and build anything uh, yourself um, or, or, or do a custom development thing. It's, it'll take you forever to, to get it to work. Uh, as Victor pointed out, you've got this ongoing support cost. Um, it'll cost a lot more money. And again, it kind of breaks my principle of spending 80% of your time and energy and money on, on uh, marketing. Um, speed to market is quite key. So I think that's really important. And then the last thing I would recommend is, you know, really just focus your efforts on Apple. Um, Android does matter. Yes, it does. You know, Kindle uh, is like iBooks as well. You can publish EPUB format books through Kindle. But I think if you really want to sort of dip your toe in, learn how to market, um, distribute to the most secure platform out there and the one that's generating the most revenue for other publishers, it really is the Apple platform. So I think those three you know, things, like iBooks, you can sort of do it yourself or do it super low cost, um, right. find a product, you know, find a product, but just mm -hmm. focus your efforts on Apple. Well, gosh, Manish, thank you so much for giving us all your time. And my goodness, uh, this boatload is full of information. But before we close, I'd like to have you give our listeners your website address. Sure. Um, actually, I think the easiest thing for everyone to remember uh, is if you go to myipadpublisher.com, no spaces, That'll take you to our website. And if you're interested, um, we'll, unfortunately, I was not able to put up a, 
a special super discount page for your listeners. But if uh, people go to that, that site and the iPad publisher page and just fill out your information and let me know that you uh, heard about us through uh, Author Access, we'll give you uh, the super mega deal that nobody is getting. Um, wow. Great. So, yeah. So, and, and just so people know what that is, um, our super mega deal, it, normally we charge $1,000 for uh, the setup fees, and then we charge um, $79 a month for the iPad publisher, and that allows you to have 12 rotating publications in the uh, in your store uh, at any one time. So you can add stuff and remove stuff and whatnot. Um, but the super mega deal is we'll waive the $1,000 setup fee, and, um, and we'll give you the iPad Pro for $49 dollars a month um, wow. with with all of the super bells and whistles and uh, and that, and I'll honor that until the end of October but just let me know you came through uh, author access would be very happy to help you and work with you well thank you very much again for uh, spending this time and with us uh, Manish I really appreciate it I'm, I'm I, <laughs> I want to apologize because I know I can be a little bit overwhelming with the quantity of information uh, but I hope that it, it really helps people because there is uh, a lot to digest. And, and, you know, on one level, you can learn a lot. On another level, you kind of have to just do something in good faith. And I, and I want your, your audience to make the right decision that's, that's uh, you know, on a platform that's most secure, where they can dip their toe in, where they're not wasting money, where they're really driving towards being successful because – when they're successful, you know, when our clients are successful, we're successful. And I, and I always really like to help people make the best educated decisions. Great. This has been another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, What Makes a Good Children's Book?, or book series with special guest Virginia S. Grenier. We'd love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send us your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, saying good night. And I'm Victor Volkman in Ann Arbor, Michigan, wishing you all a good evening.